Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to season two of Fruit Snacks. It is wonderful to be back with you and recording new episodes. And as Brady and I have mentioned, as we kicked off the main podcast, this season of the Rooted Podcast, we are going to be focusing heavily on doctrine. And because of that, we are making a few minor adjustments to the format of Fruit Snacks, where the majority of a week's episodes are going to be dedicated to exploring a particular doctrine. And if there's a doctrine like the one we're going to cover this week that is particularly heavy or that there's just a lot of information to cover, we're also going to dedicate one of our more long-form episodes with Brady and I to discussing some of the more intricate aspects or or the details surrounding that particular doctrine. This week, we are going to be talking about the doctrine of the Trinity, which is a contentious doctrine, to say the least, and one that is not very well understood or articulated. And I'm just going to go out up front and say, please, please, please stop using analogies for the Trinity, <laughs> because once we once we run it out, especially on our long form episode, I hope that you will agree that just about any time a Christian uses an analogy for the Trinity, like an egg or like water, you end up actually declaring some form of heresy. And so I'm going to offer you a different way to look at and think about the Trinity today that does not rely on an analogy. But first, we need to talk about the meaning. And in this first episode, this first part, Uh, we're going to just lay a little bit of groundwork and answer some common questions about the Trinity or common objections that are thrown at the Trinity. So first of all, what does Trinity mean? Well, Trinity literally means tri-unity. And so it is from this idea, this word, that Christians get this concept of one God, but three persons, that it is a unity uh, involving three. And so that would be contrasted against two or three other ways of looking at it. One would be something known as Unitarianism, which would say that there is one God and that one God consists of one person or Binitarianism, one God with two persons. So Christians uniquely espouse a Trinity, one God with three persons. Now, this is to be understood and contrasted against tritheism, which is to say that Christians, while we hold that there are three persons within one God, that is not the same thing as saying that we believe there are three gods. We don't. And so I want to give you a way of conceiving of this concept of how this one and three are not mutually exclusive because we're talking about two different things. Uh, Nabil Qureshi, uh, who was a very uh, well-known apologist and very influential in his time, he offered a way of conceiving of the Trinity that I think makes a lot of sense and is it says everything that the Bible says about the Trinity without going too far in any direction. He basically invites people to consider 
the two different questions and how we as people would answer these questions differently. If I were to ask you, what are you? Most people would answer, I'm a person, I'm a human being. But if I were to ask you who you are, you almost certainly wouldn't say a human being. You would give me your name and you would tell me about yourself. And in that same way, Nabil Qureshi has offered a way of conceiving of the Trinity that a lot of people have taken and used, and that is just to say that when we as Christians define the Trinity, what we're actually saying is that we believe that there is one God, that God is what we're talking about. God is the kind of being that we're talking about, and there is only one God. But when it comes to asking the question about who God is, well, who God is can be explained based on the three persons of the Trinity, the persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so God is one what, but God consists of three who's. Now, some have said that the Bible never actually contains the word Trinity. So how can Christians claim that this is what the Bible teaches when the word isn't even in the Bible? And while technically that's true, I think it's a little bit narrow because every piece of the Trinity is clearly taught in Scripture. If we go to Deuteronomy 6.4, we see very, very clearly that there is one God and that the Jewish and Christian religions were strictly monotheist, that only one God exists. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And Christians do not deny this. What we see, though, when we get into the New Testament and even in other places in the Old Testament, but specifically we'll focus on the New Testament for a second, and, and the person of Jesus, Jesus is often finding himself in trouble for his claims because, as it says in, in various places, that he made himself equal with God, or he made himself out to be God. In fact, Jesus says to his disciples at one point, I and the Father are one. These are the kinds of statements that Jesus would make or when he healed the paralytic who was let down through the roof and he claimed to forgive his sin. And someone said, what are you doing? Only God can forgive sin. And I find it conspicuous that Jesus just sort of let that hang in the air as if, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying, right? And so Jesus made all sorts of claims that got him in trouble because he was clearly claiming to be equal with God. And this obviously cut against the grain of, of, of the day and of the culture. And we see one more concept here that I want to touch on in this episode, and that is that this claim that the Trinity is a concept that is made up by Christians or that it only appears in the New Testament, and it was completely foreign to the Jewish religion prior to that. And actually, that's just not the case. I would refer you back to last season's episode of Fruit Snacks where we discussed the angel of the Lord, the angel of Yahweh, because what you will see if you go back and listen to that episode is that there is a very clear case for, at the minimum, binitarianism within the structure of Judaism, that the angel of Yahweh is, in various passages and places, described both as Yahweh and as someone else besides Yahweh. And at times he appears at the same time as the invisible Yahweh and in other times not. And sometimes the angel of the Lord is spoken of as God or conflated with Yahweh himself. 
And so we see even in the Old Testament, there are roots and echoes of this idea that God is multi-personal. For more on this, there's an, a book by a Jewish scholar named Alan Siegel called The Two Powers in Heaven, and he traces this idea of the, the two Yahwehs, the visible and the invisible Yahweh throughout Jewish thought, and how it was at least acceptable within Jewish thought right up until around the second century AD when Christians started uh, using this doctrine of the two powers in heaven to make a case that Jesus was in fact the visible Yahweh. So check that out if that's something that interests you. In our next few episodes on the Trinity this week, we'll discuss the case for Jesus's divinity, and then we'll also talk about how the Bible makes a case in the New Testament that the Spirit of God is personal and a full member of the Trinity and not just a force or an emanation from God. See you then.